Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. guys welcome back to another episode of the coach steve show today sitting down with me is coach mac or coach mike he gave me two names we're gonna go with that he's the assistant o-line ga at eastern michigan university coach thank you for being here we just talked for a whole podcast i think just a minute ago but that's non-recorded that we can't put out there yeah no coach steve i really appreciate you having me on man it was nice talking with you before we got started and i'm looking forward to a good show yeah uh we we talked we always talk to people first to get it going. We don't hop on and record. So, but sometimes the non-record stuff is better than what's recorded, which sucks. If it was a Joe Rogan show, we could release it, but after, but we, we can't, can't do that. Um, so I'm curious how you ended up at Eastern Michigan. I know you said you were just at Drake, but like how, what was your journey of getting to Drake then getting to Eastern Michigan and what led you to say, I'm going to go to Eastern Michigan become a GA and do all that fun stuff you get to do. Sure. So, I went to Drake initially to play. So I was recruited out of uh, MICDS in St. Louis um, by Coach Creighton, who's now the head coach of Eastern Michigan. So that's kind of bridging the gap about how I ended up there or had some connection to get that that position. Um, coach Creighton and Coach Fox, Coach Fox is the old line coach there, uh, recruited me as a, a freshman that didn't play or uh, yeah, as, to come in there as a freshman. And I didn't play my senior year of high school, you know, got hurt. Um, came in to Drake, got hurt again right away, you know, ACLs back-to-back years. And that was kind of when I 
got a sense that I, I liked being around football no matter whether I was playing or not. And so coaching was kind of put in the back of my brain with that a little bit, but I was initially a business major. And then that lasted for a year before I realized that one for me and, you know, played through my four years at Drake um, student taught during my fifth year and volunteered uh, coached instead of playing that, that fifth season at Drake uh, coach Fox had since become the head coach at Drake coach Creighton had moved on to Eastern Michigan. Um, so once I graduated, um, Coach Fox reached out to me while I was, you know, I was an associate for uh, in a special ed department at, at a school in West Des Moines that I student taught at. Coach Fox reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be the part-time um, assistant O-line coach at Drake. And I knew I wanted to be in coaching at that point. I didn't know if I was going to do the high school route or if I was going to do the college route, but I knew that I got a ch chance to coach college football at a place that I love with people I know and to learn a lot. And so I couldn't pass on that. And I mean, I fell in love with coaching college football. So um, it was, it was a great experience. I got to learn a ton, worked directly for a guy named Steve Flynn, who was the O-line coach who I played with as well at Drake. So we had a ton of alumni involved with the program still do to this day, um, even with me leaving. But um, that was my first kind of entrance into college football, you know, in a, in a real way, other than just being a volunteer and helping out. But um, Coach Flynn left and then had a brief stint with another line coach for a couple months, and he left. And then Coach Fox took a chance hiring a 23-year-old kid who knew next to nothing, um, but somehow trusted to, to lead the offensive line. Um, and I did that for uh, the 17th season, 18, 19, and 20, which was really the spring um, season. And I uh, was lucky enough to become the run game coordinator for the last two years there. Um, got to put a, a stamp on, you know, the offense in my own way, which was really, really awesome. I was able to do that um, under some, some really good guys. Um, Coach Ware, most recently as the OC, gave me a ton of freedom, and it was, it was a ton of fun. And then, you know, I'm getting to the point where I, I'm not going to be able to GA here in a couple of years or in a year if I don't take the opportunity to do so now. So Coach Creighton uh, and Coach Pike, who was a guy that I played with at Drake as well, who's now the quarterback's coach at Eastern Michigan, reached out to me and see if I'd be interested in um, this GA role. And I was excited to, to be able to pursue it. I'm glad it worked out and the timing was good or as good as it can be, you know, as far as leaving a, a school in the summer. But came out here to Ypsilanti, Michigan in, uh, in June. And, yeah, now looking back and really excited to be a part of things. And it's a different role, but I really, really enjoy everybody at Eastern Michigan. The guys are awesome. Program's awesome. It's, it's very similar to Coach Creighton's program that I experienced at Drake. So I feel like I went home in, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. It's crazy what happens, who you know and where they go. And then later on how they – call you or bring you on or something. So that's why you never burn bridges. Try not to anyway. I know we all have, we all have burned bridges, but we try our best not to. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's amazing that I'm, you know, 10 years after coach Creighton recruited me out of high school, took a chance on me, haven't been so banged up. You know, I remember sitting down after I got hurt in, in Hubble dining hall, and, you know, really bummed that I was injured. And Coach Creighton kind of sat down with me and was like, hey, you know, I think by the time you're done here, you're going to have made an impact on this program, which was like, to him, he may not even remember that conversation. But, like, to an 18-year-old who just tore his ACL the second time in a row, it meant the world to me. And he was right. You know, I ended up becoming a coach there. And for him to then reach out to me again and want me to be a part of things is really awesome. I mean, I'm lucky to have those relationships now, did you say you played O-line, or what position did you play? Yeah, I played O-line. I was a center. And, uh, yeah, best position in the world, man. Oh, man, you you have a center you can send me because we don't have my center left and nobody – we walk in in, the, in June. I'm like, who can snap? And nobody raised hand, and I said, oh, hell. Yeah, we're in trouble now. No, centers are – I mean, you got to be a smart dude. You got to be able to snap. You got to be able to do a lot. It's really unique in, in a ton of ways. And they're, they're really – when you have a good one – it's hard to not take it for granted because they're really hard to replace. I had to move my guard to center because I like his aggressiveness, but he yeah. just learned to snap. But yeah. I've given up a, we like, we were, we were big gap scheme, but also some zone. 
So I need that mm-hmm. polar. So I just sacrificed yep. a polar and I put him at center. I was like, if I can't snap the ball because we're we're shotgun, I'm like, we can't snap the ball. We're gonna we're gonna struggle. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been lucky to have some guys that were that were pretty decent centers, and like, I think also like when you're the line coach, you develop a bit more of an intense relationship with your centers because you rely on them for so much. You know, they they have so much thinking to do, and and like everything starts with them. You know, if you if you don't have a guy you can really trust to play that spot, then. I mean, you just never really gain a ton of confidence in your group, I think. Right. Yeah, I, I try to make center's life easy in my offense. I try to make every blocking scheme simple because I got hired to be the run game coordinator in June of 2020 like an idiot. I took it. But I didn't know COVID <laughs> was going to last as long as it has. The head coach was hired February of 2020 before COVID even hit. So we were new. I mean, like – That's tough. Like the coaching staff had been there. He kept a lot. But I'm new. He was the D.C. Now he's the head coach. But with the restrictions we had in Illinois, I saw the kids for two weeks in the summer, two weeks in October, and didn't see them again until March of 2021. So you want to talk about trying to install things? I had to become more – I'm stupid simple, I thought. I had to become even more, like, stupid with it. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't – you know, it's different, obviously, at all kinds of levels. And we had different restrictions than you guys did at the college level and just state to state. You know, Ohio was a little bit more open. Universities are, are naturally a little bit more um, – you know, willing to restrict, I think, based on stuff like that. But, you know, we got our season canceled in August, and I was going to have four fifth-year offensive linemen that season, but being non-scholarship, those kids couldn't come back and pay a whole other year's tuition on the off chance we were going to play. You know, no one knew if we were going to play or not. So mm-hmm. they graduated. And at Drake, we're lucky enough to have guys that all have exceptionally bright futures when they graduate. Like, they're there because of the success, success they can have after school so they left you, you can't lose a seventy thousand dollar payday to pay thirty thousand more dollars you know it's a hundred thousand dollar hole but so we had all new starters on the offensive line for the first time in my career as a, as a college football coach we always had some older guys that were kind of the anchors and you know ended up starting two true freshmen in a group and we our first three weeks of practice were inside kind of a makeshift indoor facility because it was negative 10 outside the whole time. Couldn't be outside. And, you know, we, we had a ton of growing pains with almost all new starters on offense as it was, but then all new up front. I mean, that's trying to install stuff without real space to do it. Not, you know, like the guys might know the scheme, they could draw on the board, but have they ever really done it? Like, no, the answer is no. And so, you know, by the time we hit like week four or five of our shortened season, like we had finally accumulated like, the amount of practices we would normally have in a camp. Right. Which is like insane to think about that we played four games before we ever hit, you know, 25 practices or something. That's how we kind of were. Like I saw them in July or yeah, July or June. Then that October, you saw them for like two weeks and we got shut down. You're trying to install on zoom and that's great, but they're high school. Well, I'm dealing with high school kids. They're not going to remember that. And then, we got six games, so yeah, then we had two weeks worth of practice in March and then got to play a game. So you're right, about week four for us, week five, all of our six-game season, it started to click. And we're yeah. just oh, okay. Like, they're finally getting it. But I, I'm embarrassed to say it. I sacrificed a lot of technique for scheme because we panicked because we were like, we have two weeks of practice, then we got six games, and that's it. Like – I gave up a lot of technique time for scheme because sure. we have to have this and we have to have this. And well, they got to understand this. We're seeing a ton of three, five. They got to understand what this is like. And it was just crazy. So now I've had all summer to do it. And I'm just like, I'll yeah. never take summer practice for granted ever again. No, me neither. And you know, we, in the FCS where I was prior to being in Eastern Michigan, we, we had summer access for the last three years. And so like that became a part of the calendar. Like, Hey, I, I counted on that time to lay a foundation of how to move, how to understand my coaching cues, like at least for the veteran guys, because the younger guys weren't usually there because again, we weren't paying them to be there. So they, they couldn't always stay or didn't want to stay. Luckily we had a lot of good turnout, but you know, and then we hit, you know, the camp, you know, I say that in quotations, 
and we're inside and there's very little time on task with the guys and there's no foundation. So like we got together as an offense. We said, okay, so what can we do? What can we become the best at? Like what's our identity? Who are we? What's the simplest things we can get really good at and kind of get the most juice for the squeeze. Mm-hmm. And for us at Drake, that was inside zone, outside zone. And then kind of our third scheme was we thought it was going to be counter ended up being some G scheme stuff and some kind of one-offs, but you know, we looked at three and said, Hey, we could probably get really good at three things. Mm-hmm. And I think we probably overestimated, I think even that just with such a new group too, it was, you know, we, by the time the season ended, I would say we were, we were pretty good at inside zone, you know, on the way to being very good. And then, you know, the other things we were still trying to get really, really good at, um, but there was certainly by the by week five, which is our last game, because we didn't get to play all six, you know, I felt like we were pointed in the right direction. And that summer was going to be like, bang, time to hit the ground, ground running and go. Because, like, everybody, nobody was new anymore. We all had had some time playing, you know, at least the guys that were kind of in, in the top 10 or 11 of the group had all basically played that. And um, really valuable for those young guys. And to not lose a year of eligibility was awesome. You know, now will they be able to take it again because of the non-scholarship things? Who knows? But um, I feel like that we got to lay a really solid foundation as an offense that last year that I was there at Drake, which was great to leave that place better than I found it, considering it means so much. Yeah, inside zone is my play. But right now we're struggling. And I'm a combo zone guy, and we're, we're, we're still struggling. And they're going to force me to go back to the old school way of staying on your track. They're going to do it. They're going to force me <laughs> to, to do that. Does yeah, it, I fought that battle before, Coach. It's I think combo zones are, are worth it 100%. It's a little steeper learning curve, but – and especially if you see a variety of defenses in a year, it can be really tough to get kids to understand the full context or concept. You know what I mean? Like that, that can be really challenging. Like, for instance, our defense at Drake – plays, you know, some bare front and some even front. And so, you know, if you're multiple in your formations, you're going to have a lot of different looks and that's hard to teach a system under that, those circumstances. But if you can break through that barrier, man, like the dividends I think are huge going combos um, or at least as a combo mindset, maybe there's some tracks orientation to it, but um, I think combos are the way to go, man. I used to be all tracks when I started and, I went to combos in 19 when we just took off running the ball, so I'll never go back. I was at a school up here when I first moved to the suburbs in 2018, went to a school, and he he loved inside zone, and we sat down. We're like, we just don't have the linemen to stay on a track, go one-on-one with a linebacker. We just don't. So we just said, what if we just combo everything? So we said, okay, and it just took off. I mean, we did go 10-1, and so it was a good season, but we had good athletes. But we were just like, this helps so much to combo, at least get four to five yards on a run play. Can we come off for a linebacker? We felt more comfortable. So, like you said, because I saw that, I said, I will never go back to doing tracks. Now, sometimes it will. If it's a three, four right. or something, you might have to have a player or two go on a track. To yeah. Do that. But we would also triple team on an odd man front. We would almost triple team and go. And, oh, wow. And – Kind of. We, we kind of wanted, if we were doing like inside zone right against like a 3-4, we kind of wanted the right guard to kind of step inside first, like pick his foot, put it down to see if that guy stunts. If he does, mm-hmm. he could take him and our nose guard could go up. Or we almost have a double team right there. Um, but what caused us to do that was we saw a team run an odd man front and they put a guy right behind the center or the nose guard. He literally had his hand on him and squatted down to hide. To like, we called him just a mouse because he was like going this way or this way. And we said, how can we stop this? And we were like, let's just triple team. Let's just send all three inside. We'll hand, like a dive. We'll just hand it off. If we get three yards, three yards, three yards, we're good. Like, we'll just keep going. And they eventually got out of it. So that's why we were kind of like, we'll just kind of triple team inside if we can. And that's what I'm trying to do now. And that's where we're struggling is odd man fronts. They don't understand that if no one shows up, you go to the backer instead of staying inside. So we're figuring out where to combo. We're just, you know what I mean? Like you're, we're still going to the right. We're still going to the left. You got to figure out where you're going, but we got to move vertically too. And that's where we're struggling. And yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that's that can be challenging. I mean, you guys see when you're seeing the offense, are you seeing a lot of like Vortex or Four Eyes or Fives? Or which, so, one, which one are you seeing the most of? So this is an interesting story real quick. So when we got into the season, we wanted to be heavy gap. So we came in with power and ISO. That was like, those were going to be our two plays. And then I convinced them to go. They were inside zone before I got there, but they did, they stay on their tracks. And they just kept getting blown mm-hmm. in the backfield. So when I came in there, I said, hey, let's just do combos. And if you want ISO, we're stealing reps because I'm going to teach it almost the same way except different footwork. So we were heavy power and ISO the first game. So because we were such heavy ISO, that's when we started to see more four eyes. Because sure. first game of the yeah. year, first game of the year, we had the ball for 11 minutes. And we just gutted them with ISO, 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 ISO. The next time we got the ball, because they run a 3-3, they come out in that tight front. They're like, we're done with this. They came out in a tight front, walked the backers down, and they said, try it now. And that's the only things we had was ISO and power, power read. That was it. We didn't have time to do anything, install anything else. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, that would create some challenges with a, with a stack. Yeah. Front, so. so if it wasn't for the ISO, I don't think I would have. we would have seen such four eyes. But you're right, it was half and half. I saw some tight and some not. But everybody's going to a 3-5. Everybody. Out of the six games, I saw it four times. Wow, that's a lot. I, You know, I think being able to be multiple, right? So one of the things that I learned my, my first two years coaching was we were a big track zone team, which – I think there's merit to both. I think if you can coach both, you can, you can manipulate both to get some vertical movement when you're tracks, you can do things when you're combos to help eliminate some of the you know issues with twists and stunts that, that that can create. Um, but the thing that I, I probably learned the most with my first couple of years and that I, I think we did well in 19 was you have to have something that is a direct complement to your primary scheme. So if, if you're a big ISO team, for instance, then having a two-back power when someone goes to a tight front, it's like, okay, well, now we've got them where we want them. Or, you know, or maybe it's it's lead outside zone or something like that, whatever those kids are good at, you know what I mean, it's, that can complement that. So if you know that this scheme, like track zone especially, against a tight front is a, is, is a bear, unless you're going to be heavy with tight ends on the backside or even a tight end wing on the backside can be really good for that. But, like, it can be tough because you got a lot of one-on-ones, and if you don't have the kids, then you're going to give up a lot of ground inside. But if you can run two-back power and still be, you know, a track zone team, well, then, hey, look, there's some complement or pin and pull or whatever it might be that those kids are good at. You know, I mean, if you got some smaller kids that run two-back power, it may not be your, be your thing, but, like, pin and pull could, you know. And if you got some athletes, you can do some good things with some RPOs off that. That, that is really, really can take advantage of that. And so um, being – you don't have to be multiple, multiple, but having two or three things that are just like dynamite off each other. Like I know this kryptonite to my track zone or even my combo zone, whatever it is, then I'm going to run this, and that's going to get them out of that or at least makes them have to guess. Mm-hmm. I tried to fold block some. I was trying to keep it easy. I was like, well, we got a 4i. Maybe we fold block on the back side or, or the play side. ISO, same thing. We get a four. I'm going to full block it with an insert right behind. So now you got like two coming up. Sure. Um, and then I installed pin and pull in two days. <laughs> like we we figured, we were like, what do we have to do? And I walked in on a Tuesday and I'm like, pin and pull. Walk well, in. if you're already folding on some of your zone schemes, like pin and pull is kind of a natural. I mean, the angles are different, you know, depending on what you're doing in the backfield. But like pin and pull is one of those things where I think the learning curve is relatively low. Um, you know, backside gap, full block back you know, backs like have empty hole, you know, right. and open run kick and then wrap and fit. It's like, you know, gap scheme, I don't think has to be a complicated beast. Um, in fact, I think if you're a combo zone guy, I think gap scheme tends to be just a little bit more cut and dry in some ways, pin and pull being one of those where it's like, it can be a good kind of cure all for some of the issues that zone presents. Um, you know, some of the interior stunts can be difficult on pin and pull, obviously. But I think, you know, if you're seeing a lot of upfield players, then pin and pull is a great alternative. You know. 
No, you're right, because then we came in this summer, and I said the same thing. I said, I think inside zone's got to be the play. And they want to be power. And I said, that's great. Let's do inside zone power. Yeah. And then we can do ISO, like you said, because then it can, we can dictate. Or when they when they shift their line or when they come in tight, now we've got a different thing to work with. But at the time in the spring, when you've got this amount of time, we were just like, screw it. Let's just go out there and put something that we could put out there. What are they picking up? And we can do it. And then I'm the type of guy that says, well, when in doubt, trap him. That's that's kind of my thing. When in doubt, let's trap him. So, but then that becomes another blocking scheme that you have to add of, even though it's the same thing as power in my mind, trap him. So when you get a pesky four-eye, let's just trap him. The Coach Steve Show is sponsored by the Launchpad Kickoff Team. If you're a football coach out there, high school, college, NFL, doesn't matter, and you're looking for that edge for your special teams, for your kicker, for the kickoff, onsides, you guys need to go to launchpadkickofftee.com. If you have a younger guy trying to develop the kicker, you want the ball to get to the end zone, you need to go to Launchpad Kickoff Tee. This tee gives a coach a strategic options for squib kicks, onsides, everything. It is proven that your kicker will kick off farther. It is legal for NCAA, for high school, okay? The Launchpad Kickoff Tee is a game changer. So if you go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS to use the code CSS, you can get a Launchpad Kickoff Tee for 10% off. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. You can use the code CSS for the Coach Steve Show to get 10% off. Also, there's a bundle. You can get one for 10% off. You can go to two and get more percent off. Or there's an option to buy four. If you click the option to buy the four kickoff tees, if you like it so much, when you use the code CSS, you'll get the fourth one free. So instead of paying full price for all four, you'll get three. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. Use the code CSS. Get 10% off. Buy four to get the fourth one free. This is a game changer, guys. It does more than just hold your balls. Go get the Launchpad Kickoff Tee today to give your kicker an edge for next season. As you guys know, the Coach Steve Show is also brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network. The Unhinged Sports Network is a 24-hour, seven days a week, non-stop playing uh, radio podcast about any sport that you guys can imagine. They have a proud partnership with Fanatics. So if you go to the link in the description, uh, go to Fanatics, use that link, and go get some gear to support the Coach Steve Show and to support the Unhinged Sports Network. They have deals all the way up to 70% off. They have deals for free shipping, and they have every single sports team you can think of. Your college team is going to be on there. Your professional team is going to be on there. They have good deals on jerseys, t-shirts, hats, socks, anything you want. So please use the link in the description to go to fanatics.com. Say big on your team's gear to help support the the Unhinged Sports Network and to support the Coach Steve Show. But, you know, that's... that's, Or just fold blocking because I wanted to stay inside zone. I said, let's just fold. But then... If the kids don't recognize it's a four, I, I that's another thing I had to do this summer. I don't know if you ever had to do this. I had to teach what techniques were. They don't know what that is. Yeah, I always I always start teaching stuff like that, and you know it's it depends on the group, right? So like this last class I brought in and Drake had eight freshman alignments. So it was like we had kids that played in really good programs. You know, we had a kid from CBC High School in St. Louis, just like a powerhouse football program. And then we had kids that played, you know, really started for a year for the high school team. And they were just, you know, just an okay program. And some kids that come from triple option schools, some kids that come from air raid schools. And, you know, it's like, so we got this, this melting pot of, of football knowledge. So, and then, you know, what we do is, you know, it's not that unique, but it's, you know, our own spin on stuff. So, okay, here's a zero, here's a one, here's a two, whatever it might be. Um, everyone's got to be on the same page, you know. Like, I think this is kind of an off, you know, random question, random thought, but have you ever read Dub Mac's book about the, um, the four R's and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think one of the good things that he starts that book off with is 
you know, take or leave the system as it is. And it's good. It's got merits. It's good and bad in some ways. But I think the most awesome thing about it is that it's about getting everybody on the same page of how to see the field and how to see defenses, which I think the longer I'm in football, the more I realize it's just really hard to get, you know, if, if you're on, if you're a division one school, 60, whatever offensive players to see the field the exact same way all the time. You know, I think that's really hard to do because of the background knowledge that is required. And like, Hey, as coaches, all we do is watch football and talk football, mm-hmm. especially if you're a college coach, you know, like that's what we do all day. So it's easy for us to take for granted. Hey, this kid knows what a six is. This kid knows what a six I is. Oh, well, it's high school. We called that a seven. Well, you know, and they'll learn it over time, but the faster you can get everyone on the same page, the faster they can learn your scheme, the faster they can become proficient or focus on the physical things that they need to be was there any like unique drills you did for, cause I, I'm going to keep on this inside zone topic. Cause that's my thing. Sure. Was there any like unique drills that you said, okay, this is the drills we can do to really have them pick up on what I'm seeing for combos. If you have new guys coming in, or is it just the simplest drills that we, we might already do, but was there like anything unique you did and you found that worked? You know, I, I don't know if this is unique, but I felt like one of the things that we did that helped was we can, we would drill our combos in a five across line. So I was also the only guy working with the group. So, you know, I'm sitting there going, so we line up all five alignment or there's a tight end with us sometimes. And, you know, I'm putting up the front. We're going to see what we're, we're working on that day. And okay. So we're going to work on a, on an Oki look. So we're going to look at four I zero four I two linebackers and, you know, the overhangs. And then we're going to talk about, so we're going to go right from left and we're all going to work zone right. And I'm just going to rapid fire your combos. Okay. We'll talk it through. And then it's boom. We're going tag, chug, you know, solo. And then we combine like a half line, half line. So we do kind of both at the same time. So everybody's seeing how it fits together. And then we're just rapid fire reps. You know, we would do, you know, two to the right, two to the left, rotate the group. So it was like, we would just crank reps and everybody's seeing everything. And but we're working in pieces, so I can get movement, I can get come off of the linebacker, I can get you know, and we would do stuff like full speed. Like when we're in practice, our practice is Drake for an hour and a half to an hour forty-five. So if we're in pads, we're going fast and we're getting off the ball because we can walk through combos for an hour before practice or whenever we would do that. But like I want to get off the ball because I only get so many contact moments. Right. So, but I think that the, and a lot of the guys gave me feedback that that helped because they could see how their park fit in the hole and still do it. And then we were able to get a ton of reps in an eight minute period of individual. Right. You know, we could probably rattle off, you know, 24 reps. So everybody's getting them. And then, you know, if you're in season, you know, some of your younger guys, or if you're splitting scouts, you know, sometimes they're not even getting them. So you get even more reps. And, you know, that was always a period where you could also stop and be like, no, 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 so here's why you need to call this. Or I would change the call last second and make them switch their combo so they had to think, process, and still get off the ball fast. And then everyone could see behind or on the defensive side, like, or that's on the left side of the drill, okay, that's why they did this, you know. Because, like, I think the biggest hurdle when you're dealing with those young players like we talked about is, they can do – if they can do physically what you're asking them to do in a confined drill time, then, like, it's a mental barrier. It's their ability to make a decision that's slowing them down and making them play poor, you know, so. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Uh, You can run and grow your business anywhere. 
Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Either you got to simplify your scheme, which sometimes it's as simple as it can be with, and still be effective. Well, then it's time to just put them under some pressure and then allow them to see, I think, the picture as a whole to feel confident that what they're doing is right. And then the other thing is, like, in a lot of systems, if you make a wrong combo call, as long as everybody's on the same page, it's going to be okay. You know, you're still going to block the five most dangerous. It may just not be in the same combination that would be ID. Right. So, like, you know, I think that was a big part of our conversation early on was, like, just make a decision and play your butt off. like. If you're wrong, you got to be wrong at a thousand percent because you know what? It'll work out. Maybe that guy's got to block four eye by himself, but you know what? He's pretty good too. So you can do that. Right. If you just crush the nose, Hey, we'll be all right. Like good things will happen if we're putting guys in the dirt. Right. Yeah. The only way I could come up with, I tried combo words and they're just not getting it. Like I said, this is what I'm dealing with right now. They're good kids. Don't get me wrong. Good kids. They show up every day, whatever. I had to tell them, okay, are you covered or uncovered? Okay, you're uncovered because I go by head up. I don't go by shade. I go by head up. Is there a guy to the play side? So if we're going inside zone right, is there a shade to your right? Nope. I need you to peek back then and see if there's a guy yeah. we can help. And if there is, you have to. Now, are you necessarily going to double? No, you're going to kind of knife and see and get to the backer because hopefully my center can take him if you got a one tech or something. But what's happening is, is the footwork. So I'm big gallop guy on, on power. We gallop. Okay. When zone comes around, I try to knife step, you know, like a quick knife step. But they're taking side steps. I'm almost to the point now where I almost have to tell them to gallop on zone, and I don't want to because I'm like, we we, we got to move. Gallop I like because we can control the gap and get to the, around. So I'm coming into a question. So like what footwork would you tell them? You tell them just to get there? Because a lot of people are telling me that. Just tell them to get there and not worry, worry about it. So my default is I'm not going to force a kid to do something that he doesn't seem like to be able to do. You know what I mean? If my technique is causing so many issues for him that like he can't execute, then I'll just let him do it his way and then try to coach him up in that way. And so sort of individual by individual basis, if that makes sense. Now, you know, obviously you're going to have things you teach. And so the footwork that I would teach in on inside zone. So I think to pre- to set the stage for this, give some context, we were super downhill, you know, running back was aiming right at the butt crack of the center. And we were not looking to take this thing front side a gap unless it was just like the red C part. So that kind of sets up our aiming points and our footwork. Um, so for any given double team, right? So place I gap open, someone to carry on your backside shoulder. Okay. And I would tell guys on inside zone that you should always look to double team on your backside shoulder. If you have nobody from nose to nose of the next guy, always because it's inside zone, we're hitting backside. So like, even if you don't touch somebody on your backside, you should be going so vertical trying to, that nobody should get backside. Mm-hmm. And so everything was about attacking just inside the midline of the defender, especially on the front side. On the back side, we were a little bit wider on aiming points. It was really more just about hat placement than it was about a wider aiming point. But I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So uncovered gap, right? And I've got, let's say, just the basic 4-2 defense. I've got a guard on the front side carrying a two on his backside shoulder to a, a linebacker stacked in a 30. Okay? So we called it a crowther and strike was the words that I use. And we used some different words here. These submission calls it jab and drive, which I actually like more than what I call because it it's shorter and a little more violent. Uh-huh. So jab and drive. So jab with your with your um, open zone, your play side foot. Ignite your power is the words we use here, which, again, I really like. Some things I picked up that I'll carry for the rest of my life. Jab and drive back into the man, okay? But you're trying to gain ground the whole time. Uh-huh. 
you want to be vertical. You always want to – we talk about running off the ball here. We preached BGO at Drake. Um, I was willing to sacrifice a bit of a base, um, a little bit of, you know, what looks like pretty technique for violence and explosiveness. Like, if your foot is, you know, this far lateral versus a little bit more vertical or a little underneath you, it's like, hey, look, did you get off the ball and you make contact with everything you got? You know, you're not abandoning your assignment with violence, but it's like, okay, I can execute and be an angry SOB off the ball. And then, you know, from there it was get your feet underneath you and play on your insteps. And then I used to teach kind of pump your off arm so that you wouldn't turn because a lot of guys will just open their shoulders and then they just get you get run through. You have no power on the double team. It's just a, a bad way of doing business. But the footwork was real simple, jab and drive. It was just however you felt like that foot needed to be for you to get going upfield fast and violently. And then, um, you know, I think in this last season, I got a little overcoaching. I overcoached that first step a little bit as far as like, no, it's got to be this way or that way because they were really young and I felt like that would help them and I think it hurt them. I think it needed to take the reins off a little bit more. We started doing that towards the end of the year and within, in the summer. And it was like, uh, man, what was I doing the whole year? Like, I'm an idiot, you know, for not doing this earlier. But I got a little bogged down just the teaching aspect of it, not the find a way to get it done aspect of it. And from a closed zone perspective, we were real simple. P on the near knee, eyes in the near V. Um, if you were backside, um, we want your hat just slightly across. Um, just that allows you to get a little more square and it, it doesn't allow guys to, to get upfield on you as much because any penetration on the backside is going to just hose that play. You've got to move that backside. Um, you know, in a lot of ways we were doing what looks like gap scheme double teams uh-huh. to a lot of people. You know, um, there were times where we would want to have lateral double teams. We didn't have a call for it. It was really just game plan based on front and personnel. Um where like anytime we were playing against an odd front or an Oki or a bear or however you would kind of look at it. But if I was looking at three close gaps inside or really any head up technique, I wanted that player lateral um, on the double team. I didn't want to try to drive a zero down the field. I just didn't think that was reasonable. And we had a ton of success against teams that wanted to play those types of fronts against us because we would just abuse zero techniques. We'd go two hands on with the center and then, the, the guard, I just said, run at his hip. Like, it wasn't scientific. It wasn't anything you'd see in the – maybe you'd probably see it in a clinic if I was doing it or some guys do it because some guys teach that. I think it's really good. Run at his hip. you got to get upfield to get to the hip because if you overlap at all, you're just going to run right into the center or the covered player in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so – and, like, anytime you can hit a human being in his hip, it doesn't matter if he squats 800 pounds – doesn't matter if he's 400 pounds, you go move. Right. Especially if he's pushing up against another human being that ain't you. So, like, we made a ton of hay against odd front teams in my time at Drake, this was the last two years, doing it that way. And that was, you know, I think one of the unique things we would do in our gap scheme was how we would attack a bare front or that oaky tight look, however you want to, whatever W, whatever phrase you want to use. We would do something similar where our center and our guard would basically jab and drive and strike the play side three or four I and zero and then fall back and down block. It would kept guys from penetrating front side, which can kill you in those fronts when you try to pull. Um, that that was a, a very like easy adjustment for us to make that, you know, my old line coach taught me as when he was a head coach. So like I think little things like that can really give you an edge against those types of fronts. Just so many times in those those looks, you'll you'll get linebackers and, and nose guards in the same gap if you can mm-hmm. displace the nose guard, and it allows your guard to climb, which is the whole point of that defensive structure is to stop those guys from climbing the second level. Um, and then if you're seeing a lot of that front, I mean, you just got to play with a tight end on or off the ball. You got to have somebody. You got to have an extra gap somehow, or you got to be really creative in the way you're RPOing and doing some different things. Right. Um, but my go-to has always been just throw a tight end on the line scrimmage and run zone away and run power at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or wing and split zone. Like, sure, absolutely. We we ran a ton of split zone my time in Drake. That was like 
that was kind of our calling card the last two years. I mean, in, in 2019, that's all we ran. <laughs> you know, like we, it was to the point where we were trying to get creative and weird about how to disguise who was coming back to block. But like, it was, you knew it was coming, you had to stop it. But like, we had some guys that were real physical at the wing spot and we had a big physical line that year. That ain't broke, you know. <laughs> That was that was the big play with split zone the past two years that everybody's doing it and then now Buck Sweep's coming back. That's all I'm seeing is I don't think in college maybe, but high school, that's all I see now is how do we run Buck Sweep? Because football's yeah. coming in a full circle of like we did that stuff, now we're we're spread, we're RPO and we're inside zone, and now defenses have caught up and they're yeah. like, we can stop you, we can slow it down, we can move. This tight front's coming back, so how do we get around it? Well, pin and pull or buck sweep. So it's coming yeah. back. Uh- hundred percent. I mean, like, I think, you know, I think you've seen some college programs and some high school programs been really successful running like an I formation, like back in the day when you would draw up an offensive base formation, it was like pro, you know, it was two split wide receivers, a tight end and a fullback in the eye. And it was like, that was how you learned how to defend football. Well, now you learn how to defend football with two by two open you know, or three by one open, you know, for your, for your three by ones. And it's like, that's base football to so many kids now. Like we had under center snap issues at Drake this year for the first time I can remember as a coach, because we didn't have a single quarterback that had ever taken a snap under center until he got to college. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, I mean, I'm not 65 years old, like I'm 28. You know? <laughs> like, you know, like I learned how to play football under center, you know, and I was, it was a while ago. It wasn't that long. I mean, Geez, you know, these kids never, never done it, you know. So it's just, it's different. I think that if you can be a team that can or has the luxury of having some tight ends and fullbacks um, or are willing to put certain guys in those spots, maybe they're not these hybrid elite guys, but can find a way to make it work. I think you can give some teams some real fits. And if you play a tight front team, I mean, tell me that you want to line up in a, in a three, four tight look, play quarters behind and play a team that's going to run ISO strong. Mm-hmm. Or two back power. I mean, like you got to have something to counter that. There, and defensive guys are probably going to blow you up. Like I know how to stop that, and that's great. I hope you do. But it's not what you're seeing week in and week out in high school or college football. Or what we would do is run quarterback ISO. So now we got the wing leading up and a running yeah. back for the other gap. So if, there you go. If something collapses because they're reading that wing all the time, now they're going to collapse. Now you got the running back leading up. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like, I think, I mean, quarterback run game, it's like the great equalizer, right? Like, if you're willing to, to run that guy between the tackles, then, geez, do it because it's like stealing sometimes. You know, and like we, we were – we've been guarded against that. I think a lot of teams are. If you don't have – yeah, if you have a guy who's like your guy, it's, it's hard to want to run him on some cute power or something like that. But after the line coach, it's always fun for me to try to scheme that up. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with it when we called quarterback ISO. I said, that's fine. Because uh, I did a chalk war or against a DC at a Division three college. And I was like, oh, great, here we go. And he run the one high. First play out of the gate I did was quarterback ISO. And he goes, you son of a bitch. Yeah, goes, it's, huh? it's like cheating. You know what I mean? At least especially on paper. Like, you and know, I, we – yeah, go ahead. No, I was saying, like – because we had to do our offense, and I said, he goes, is that really in your offense? Because he thought maybe I just drew it up to be a jerk. I was like, no, this we had a running quarterback, so we literally would do this. So I'm not lying to you. Oh, yeah. This, I, I've been in some offenses with a running quarterback, some that we didn't feel like running, and just like to not have a running quarterback, you've got to be – to be a good rushing team, it feels like anyway in my experience, you got to be really good up front. Mm-hmm. Or you got to – do some RPOs or some, some different things outside of that to give your offense some depth. Um, it's really hard to line up under center and do those types of things like running ISO or OZ ISO or, you know, power, whatever, whatever your scheme might be. It's really hard to do that if you're not willing to run a quarterback or if you're not really good up front rather, you know what I mean? Like it's it's hard to get numbers against anybody if you're not doing that. You just got to have some some hogs and some good really good running backs can always help. Obviously, more so than a lot of things. But when we had a running quarterback this last season at Drake versus when we didn't have guys that were you know really dynamic in the running up, they couldn't run, but they just didn't run the same way. 
it changed things, especially because we were so young up front. Like we just we couldn't just line up and just blow guys off the ball for 200 yards a game like we did in 19. We had to replace everybody, so it was like, okay, well, what are we going to do now? Like, we probably ran the quarterback 10 times in 2019, and we were really relying on that in 20, and then we had some injury issues. But, you know, when he was in, it was like, hey, this is a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes life easier. And we had a six – is he six – two or six – we had a six-two or six-three tight end last year as a sophomore, and he could put his hand in the dirt. He could be a wing and – he tore he tore his ACL in rugby right before this now so now we lost him for the season. That's brutal. And so now we're sitting there going, okay, do we have another tight end? We're looking around and we're like, oh, we don't. So now we got to convert one. And then we're now we're having troubles moving people vertically. So I'm keeping myself up at night going, do we just put in wide zone? Can I move people horizontally now? Yeah, I think it's a great alternative. You know, I'm I'm a big believer in. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The wide zone, outside zone, everybody wants to say they're different. It's the same thing. Everybody's, you know, gets their, their undies in a bunch about which one's which. But, like, you know, let's be real, guys. We're not really that different. <laughs> um, but I, I think, like, you don't have to have, like, giant hogs to, like, run wide zone well. I think it takes a ton of work and a ton of reps to get good at it, especially in the backfield. I think running backs got to see it a ton to get good at it. But, like, when you do, you can be one of the only things you do, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you can, you can go all in on an outside zone or a wide zone and, like, have a couple of other things to do with. You don't need a lot outside of that. Um, it's good against a lot of fronts. It's even better against a lot of fronts if you can have somebody be a wing and just kind of get in the way. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think about specifically, like, a, like an okie look or a double eagle look or whatever the term guys are using is. Just having somebody that can make – can body up the front side overhand. You know, can you make that guy be wrong? And then can you get two great double teams inside and get vertical off those and get some stretch, get some reach? Now you're – now the C gap or the D gap is open no matter what. You know, and so that was something that we did really well in, in 19 with our outside zone, which we really really minored in compared to our split inside zone. but. Um, it was good for us when we picked our spots in and we, we were really productive in those areas, especially against those looks. Because again, with, with us, our, all of our run game was back away from the tight end when mm-hmm. it was inside zone. And so to go back to the other side, we knew we could get an edge because you're going to play a four or four eye. I was like, Hey, all we got to do is we get really good at reaching that four eye and four with some help to get to that front side inside linebacker. Now we're at the safety level right now, as long as that wing or tight end or whoever it is makes that overhang wrong. Yeah. I've, I've been researching it the past week and I'm coming in, I think next week and saying, here's my thought. And so I've just been researching wide zone, like crazy or outside zone, whatever people want to call it. I've been just researching it nonstop. And I'm like, this could complement inside zone. Maybe it softens it up to where we can get vertical push. And yeah, I would agree with that. Well, thank you, because I think I'm stupid. So for someone that's in college, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm on to something, because without a tight end, a true tight end is rough. We're forcing someone to be there. And I'm like, how can I help out as the run game coordinator? And I've come in, I'm like, well, what about wide zone? What about wide zone? And the fear is of getting tackled in the backfield. And I said, I sure. think that's a fear with every run play, though. If we don't come off the combo well, we don't move people well, a linebacker's going to come flying up. And make the play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think your losses are can be bigger with why just it's more lateral play, right? I mean, it's like pin and pull. You type them back on pin and pull versus power, it's usually a little bit more. But like, you know, I wouldn't let that stop you from a wide zone. I think so there's a there's a few things that, that I feel like I've learned about wide zone that have helped that get better as far as like the losses. Um and it's your running backs got to take the first cut that they can. They got to be real decisive. And like, 
I've heard a lot of guys talk about, hey, once you have the ball in your hands, it's three steps. I think three steps is kind of like the maximum for you to make a decision. Like, if you have any penetration, you just got to get vertical, got to get back to line of scrimmage. You know, Coach Ware at ROC at Drake did a great job with the running backs when he coached them prior and was like, a good running back will always get back to line of scrimmage, no matter if there's not a single guy blocked. That was like his standard. And I thought that was awesome. You know, as the old line coach, I was like, sweet man, zero negative yards. Like, (laughs) you're helping me out. But like, I think um, the way he coached outside zone was really like specific to that was if there's anything in your face, get vertical and get going, no negative runs and things then happen. You know, guys are getting displaced on the backside. You hit a great cutback because I mean, the beautiful thing about a wide zone or an outside zone is like, it is C gap to C gap, Mm -hmm. you know, which, can be tough because you got to win, you know, but like it, it stresses a defense, I think much more than an inside zone does in different ways. You know, if you have the dudes to run inside zone and just pound snot, you know, pound snot out of the defense, then yeah, why run 35 times a game? No, I would, I would do that if I could all the time, but in majoring in wide zone, I think opens up your inside zone stuff more because you just get more flow, more flow, more flow. And are you are you guys all like split gun stuff, or are you pistol, or both, or? Yeah, we're we're standard five yards off the ball, two by two, three by one, and we want to go two back, but this summer has been so crazy, hit or miss with kids. We just been going one back. Sure. And, then, and we're trying since we do. I'm pushing for we don't have a true hand down tight end, so it's always going to be a yeah. wing if we come in. It's always yeah. going to be a wing. I think you can run that outside zone lead with a wing. And again, like I think obviously depending on matchup, I think you don't have to have a guy that can just stick his face in the fan. He's just got to be willing to make contact and just can't get crushed back. Like he just can't get stopped at the line. You know, I think if he's being aggressive and getting out, like motioning him can help soften the edge, can give you the look you want. Um, you know, that, that can give you some advantage from a two back perspective, you know, sticking a kid like a wing in the backfield and running outside zone lead is, is a really good compliment to that look as well. Kind of hits a little bit different and out of the offset gun. I mean, you're going to get outside the front side tackle one out of every 100 plays. Probably. Right. Like you're just going to cut up so much to be stretch and puncture more than anything. Um, and a good way to kind of help get yourself to that front side is, you know, against certain looks, it's easier than others, but you know, doing different folds, like you've said you've had experience with, I think is really good on – I think it's even better on outside zone to fold guys than it is on inside zone. And I think you just get wider gaps. You get more stretch, bigger spaces between the D linemen. And I think it helps guys climb sometimes that may have an aversion to climbing because they know they're pulling for a certain lineman. You know what I mean? Like, right. we've all had a kid who just danced on a line scrimmage forever, you know? Right. And it's like, dude, you got you to gotta climb your butt to the next level, man. It puts a pressure on the defense, creates a level. So – I think if you feel confident in, in teaching some wide zone coach, I think it would be a big good investment. I, I would tell everybody that if they felt good about their guys doing it, then they should do it because it's such a good play. Yeah, I've, I try to research it, but I was coaching track, and so I was just checked out of everything. Then June hit. I said basketball terms and football practice one day. I was like, I need a vacation. And so now I'm just researching like crazy because, as you know, us coaches don't sleep well. We keep processing, like, what can we do to get better? Especially if you coach defense, you never sleep. Like, that's just – you don't yeah. sleep. Or a line, I think. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, because my brain's going. Like, how can I help this inside zone? Do we do wide zone? I'm researching. I'm watching videos. I'm trying to find drills. And then I get crazy with it. I'm like, well, can we do wing? So, like, if you're running – if you have a wing left – wide zone left could you roll out and have a split guy come out and like i get crazy with it i'm like can you run yeah. this and maybe yeah and try stuff man you know like that's there's so many ways to do so many things in football like no one's got it all figured out it's just and so much of it works like whether you're a wing t guy an option guy wide zone guy area guy it all works if you believe in it and you can coach it and you can get your kids to, to believe in it and learn it like that's a trick, right? Does it fit your kids? Can they do it? And do you do you believe in it enough to get them to believe in it? But um, you know, why like you're gonna go down the wide zone path again, I'll warn you, it's not gonna be like the first day it's gonna look great. Like it's you're gonna you're gonna bang your head into a wall for a while and then it's gonna you're gonna kind of figure it out. And then it can be, you know, you just gotta be matchup cognizant because like we played some guys inside that were pretty good in the past and outside zone freaked me out because like you get a one-on-one 
it's just a harder one-on-one sometimes to, to win. You just can, you can have a bad athlete in space and it's, right. it's ugly. When you miss, it's ugly. <laughs> yeah. That, that's maybe where I get fired. If we do it, like they'll look at me and be like, you are no longer in charge of what run plays we do. You can coach the old line, but you can't come in and say, we're going to do this anymore. Um, there's no more head for me to bash my head against. So I think I'm good. I think, I think I run out of wall. It was COVID year. There is no more wall. And no, no, not uh, at all. Not with what you guys are dealing with. No. Um, to slowly wrap it up. Cause I've taken a lot of time. Um, I'm curious how you guys are going to look this year for Eastern Michigan. That's one of the first things I wanted to ask. Like, how's it going? What you, what are you guys going to look like? How's it going to go? We're back to normal. So we got to, we got to ask how it's going to look. Yeah. I mean, from a COVID perspective, we are, I think as back to normal as we can be. Um, I'm sure there's, you know, I've only been here for a few weeks, so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Eastern Michigan yet. Um, but I think the future's really bright with Eastern Michigan. I mean, Coach Creighton has set up such an amazing program with these guys. Like, I, like it's rare to see so many guys, I think, bought in, believing that they're going to be good, like knowing that each other have each other's backs. Like, I think that is really unique, really special. Um, and I think we have some really talented pieces from what I've seen so far. Again, like, I haven't been in an actual practice yet, but I've watched a ton of film been around the OTA stuff that we've done, you know, kind of like the summer access piece. And I think there's some really good pieces in, in place here. And I, I mean, our coaching staff is, it's awesome. I mean, coach Coughlin, the offensive line coach there is a really good coach. He's already mixed well with the group that's there and some, some good older alignment there for sure. Um, Got a talented stable running backs. One or two of them in particular are really talented. Um, got some, receivers and we were talking about personnel earlier this week and we got some guys that are really pretty good and so I'm, I'm encouraged you know I, I think that we're, we're looking to kind of push through some some new barriers for, for this program and I'm really excited to be a part of it like, I think things are things are moving in the right directions from what I can see you know right but you know um, but yeah things are good I mean I it's been a really good experience so far and one of the last things is uh what advice do you have for somebody that wants to coach college or go the GA route? Like what you're doing right now as a GA, what do you, what advice, not for me, I think I'm too old now. We're not going to go, <laughs> go that way. I think I'm stuck at high school, which is fine. Um, like what advice do you have? Like what's your role? Like what are you doing as a GA? So what advice do you give for someone that's like, I want to coach college. What route do you recommend and all that, all that good stuff? So if you want to coach college football, I think, getting in with somebody that you, you know, and just, you don't even somebody, you know, just knock on doors, call people up, find a way into a program that you have respect for that, you know, a little bit about do your homework before you do that about the people there. And, and so that you can find a way to add some value and, and bring that up. Like I have heard stories of guys that go knock on the door and volunteer and sleep on a couch for a year. You know what I mean? Or, guys that played under great coaches and then were position coaches in three years. It's, there's such a wide range of ways to get involved. If you are serious about it and you shouldn't do it if you're not serious about it, because it's, it's a huge time commitment. Coaching in general is a huge time commitment and it's a huge, it's a lifestyle. You can't just say it's a job. Um, so you better be serious about it. But I think if you want to be a GA or if you are going to be a GA and that's something that you want to do, um, the number one thing is, you know, be quiet, listen to the guys that are around you that have a lot of experience. Nobody that's a GA has been in coaching for 30 years. It's not possible. Um, you know, I've, I've had full-time roles. I've, I've helped coordinate, but I have so much to learn. It's not even funny. Like, I mean, I work with an online coach who's been coaching college football for like 17 years or something like that, or maybe even longer. I don't know. He's probably going to you know, get mad at me for exposing his age, but like, you know, we have another tight ends coach who's been, in the NFL, he's been in power five programs. He's been around like, I mean, these guys have so much knowledge. Coach Creighton's been head coaching for, you know, 20 some years. And, you know, it's like, that's just like the three guys that are coming to my head right now. You know, it's, there's so much football to learn and there's so many different ways of doing things. Like you have to just shut up and learn. And like, you got to check your ego at the door because, you know, 
six months ago, I was building game plans and building an offense. And then now I'm making scout cards. Not that we didn't do that at Drake, but like, I'm, I love that. Like, I just get to be involved in this program. I get to learn, I get to do all these things. Like, it's not about, oh yeah, you're not a full-time guy. You're not a coordinator. Like that doesn't matter. It's add a ton of value, work your butt off, shut up and do your job and do it really well. You know, my dad taught me three things to always live your life by be smart, be hungry and be humble. And so if you, if you do that as a GA or as a coordinator, as a head coach, as a high school head coach, or as an accountant, I think you'll be successful. Um, but the other thing is just be ready to spend a ton of time working and like, you better love what you do. Mm-hmm. I think if you coach, but especially when you're in those, those roles where you're not a guy, you're not getting paid a ton. You're not, you know, getting a ton of recognition. Don't do it for those reasons. Do it for other reasons. And cause you love the game cause you love working with young men. Otherwise you're just going to be miserable because it's not easy to do all that stuff. You know, it's not easy to coach football. Right. collegiate level or the high school level but yeah well that's a good answer um i know plenty of people that have ga'd and they tell me the same thing so it's, it's nice that it's consistent it's not any different <laughs> they, they tell me the same thing and i'm like yeah i'm too old for that now so <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's it's part of the game man it's you gotta earn your stripes and sometimes you gotta earn more than once and that's the way it should be that's how you keep the game what it is right well, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on here. I will watch Eastern Michigan now. Now I have a reason to go watch. When I'm not watching my U of I, I'm a U of I guy. Brent I got you. But. Yeah, well, you know, I'll forgive you for that as long as you catch a few of our games. And I appreciate your time to Coach a lot. It was a lot of fun. Yep, no, I appreciate you. I'm, I, I love how coaches say yes to come on here. So this community is just great for anybody to be like, yeah, sure. We'll talk ball. Yeah. Especially after COVID, yeah. we're all inside all the time. This is therapy sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Give me an excuse to talk football. I don't care who was I don't care who's with. I love to talk ball. So again, anytime you want to talk ball, man, just hit me up. All right. You got it. All right, guys out there listening, thank you so much. We're signing off from the Coach Steve show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.